Well, if you've been paying attention to the scripture reading and some of the songs and, and things like that throughout the service, you know that uh, it's along the theme of fear. And that's really important because maybe the biggest issue in our world today is the issue of fear. We are a people who are plagued by fear constantly. It's something that we are battling all the time. I mean, parents parents are afraid for their children. They're afraid to send their kids off to school these days. They're afraid of what their kids are going to be exposed to. They're afraid of what kind of world their children are going to inherit one day. I mean, most adults are fearful, at least in many ways, some ways, of the economy and how they're going to make it and how they're going to survive, uh, especially when you read headlines like uh, one recently that said that Michael Burry, who is the guy who shorted the entire U.S. Uh, housing economy uh, back in 2006, so two years before its fall and the whole housing market collapsed, he's the guy who bet against the housing market, shorted it all, made hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, Newsline recently said that Michael Burry just shorted the entire U.S. stock market. So, if you weren't fearful about the economy, now you are, basically predicting its imminent demise. So, that's just something uh, to be aware of. But we also have global fears, right? I mean, for instance, when we read news about Russia invading Ukraine, or when we hear about Hamas bombing Israel, when we see that North Korea is testing new nuclear rockets, things like this are the type of headlines, the type of news that will fuel our fears and get us concerned about what's going on in the world. And then we're also concerned for our safety too. When we read about school shootings, when we read about church shootings, when we read about mass shootings, when we read about theater shootings and public shootings and any other type of shooting that takes place, when we look on the news and we see rioting and we see looting, we see senseless acts of evil and attacks, and we see all these things happening in our world today, what does it do? It just fuels our fear. Pretty much, if you watch any sort of news or pay attention to the news, it's just like pouring gasoline on the fires of your fears. It's just going to make it worse. And then as Christians... We have fears related to our faith, don't we? I mean, we look and see the world today and we see that Christians are persecuted and martyred and we start becoming concerned. You look and you see that Christians are literally killed for no other reason than the fact that they are Christians. You read about church shootings. You read about people coming in and destroying churches, and and it's not even just that. We have very practical fears related to our faith as well, don't we? Most people are afraid to share the gospel with someone. Most people are afraid to start a gospel conversation with another person. Most people are afraid to challenge the world and their beliefs on any sort of controversial topic because they're afraid of what they're going to say and how they're going to treat them and what they're going to experience. And so maybe the most dangerous thing about fear, though, is its ability to control us, right? That's what makes fear so bad. It's not just that you're, a, you're scared of something. It's that fear has the ability to control you. If we're not careful, if we give in to our fears, it will control our lives. It'll control the decisions that we make. It'll control the places that we go. It'll control how we interact with others and what we do. And so in this passage, Jesus addresses the issue of fear head on. But... Jesus also says pretty much the worst thing you can say to someone who is afraid. He says, hey, don't be afraid. (laughs) 
which is incredibly frustrating, is it not? I mean, has this ever happened to you? You've been uh, afraid of something. I mean, you could have been absolutely terrified of something. You're having a panic attack. You don't know what's going on. Going on. You just know you're terrified. And someone comes to you and goes, hey, don't be afraid. And you're thinking, oh, that's brilliant. I can't believe I haven't thought of that before. Sure, let me just try that now. I'll just stop being afraid, and now I'm not going to worry about anything. That happened to you before? Well, that's exactly what Jesus does here. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, if you follow me, and if you obey me, and what I tell you to do, guess what? People are going to hate you. Governments and religions are going to persecute you. They're going to drag you before them. They're going to force you to testify. You are going to be thrown in jail. Your own family members, they're going to hate you. Your own family members, they're going to hand you over to death. All of this is going to happen to you because of me. Get ready for it. But, oh, yeah, don't be afraid. And any rational person right now is going, well, how on earth do I do that, Jesus? How can I possibly not be afraid of literally all these terrifying things that you just mentioned? And he's going to say three times in this passage, do not be afraid. And each time he says it, he gives us a reason why we shouldn't be afraid. But the whole point that he's making is this, church, is that when faithfulness to God is our highest priority, we are freed from our fears. When faithfulness to God is our highest priority, we are freed from our fears. Now, let's clear one thing up here at the start, okay? I'm not saying that if you prioritize faithfulness, you will never be afraid of anything ever again. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that if you will just prioritize faithfulness to God, you will never battle fear again. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if you will prioritize faithfulness, God will free you from fear's ability to control your life. You will no longer be a slave to fear. It will no longer have dominance in your life in such a way that it can control you. That's the freedom that we're talking about here. And if that's true, then the question that we should all be asking is, well, what do we need to do to experience this freedom from fear? What do we need to do? Wouldn't you like to be free of your fears today? Wouldn't you like to have them no longer control you? So what do we need to do for that to be a reality? And I want you to notice what he says first in verses 26 to 27. Jesus says, So have no fear of them. Why? For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. So let's think for a second about why Jesus is saying this. I want you to remember, the very first thing that he told his apostles as he has called them and now he is sending his apostles out, he's preparing them for what they're going to face. The first thing Jesus told them to do was proclaim a message. Go and tell people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But you need to understand something, church. There was a real danger with proclaiming such a message. If they were to actually go and tell people that the Messiah had come, and oh, guess what? The Messiah is actually a carpenter from Nazareth that many people believe to be an illegitimate child. Well, that's going to cause some problems. People are going to condemn them for that. The, the Pharisees are going to accuse them of blasphemy. They're going to be hated they're going to be mocked. They're going to be persecuted for proclaiming such a message. They would make some very real enemies for even daring to say such a thing. But not only that, since the majority of people are going to reject the message, 
It means that people are going to think that they are liars and accuse them of making up a bunch of lies in order to lead people astray, which is exactly what happened. So let me ask you a question, church. If that's the reality that they're going to face, Jesus says, go and tell people this message, and when you do, they're going to hate you, they're going to mock you, they're going to persecute you, they're not going to believe you, and they're going to accuse you of lying. What's the easiest thing you can do in that situation? Just say nothing, right? (laughs) If you want to avoid all that bad stuff, all you have to do is just disobey, right? You just don't say anything. You just keep quiet. You try not to offend anyone. You try not to ruffle any feathers, And everyone will like you if you just don't actually say what Jesus tells you to say or do what Jesus tells you to do. That's the easiest way to be liked in our world. Just don't do what Jesus says to do. And that's the temptation that they were facing. To give in to their fears and to keep quiet and let that fear lead them to disobedience. And I want you to see, we're no different today, are we? I mean, you look around at Christians today... And I want you to just notice how fear controls our tongues. We fear saying anything that might offend someone. Listen, anything you say is going to offend someone in this crazy, crazy world that we are living in today. It is impossible not to offend someone. But but let me just ask you a question. Have we forgotten that offense is necessary? It is impossible to proclaim with accuracy the true gospel without offending someone. If you want to see people come to Christ, you're going to have to tell them a whole lot of hard-to-hear things first. I mean, it's no matter how you sugarcoat it and what you do, if you go to people and you tell them, hey, you are a sinner who stands condemned before God of all creation, and unless you repent of your sins and put all of your hope and trust in Jesus Christ alone, you will be sent to a place of eternal torment. Why? Because you're not a good person, and there's nothing you can do to be good, and even if you try to be good, you'll never be good enough, ever. That's offensive. Is it true? Yeah, absolutely. Preach on, brother. It is true, but it's offensive, and it's hard for people to hear today. And so what do we do? We keep quiet. We keep quiet so other people will keep quiet about us. We don't want people to talk about us. We want to be liked. We want to be accepted. And because we so desperately don't want to offend anyone or have people talk bad about us, we just keep quiet and we say nothing. What's worse than keeping quiet, in my opinion, is when you have people who profess to be Christians and they try to make light of what the Bible has to say on any given topic, especially the hard ones. Because that's what people do today, right? Hey, here's a hard truth that's in the Bible. I know people are going to be offended by that, so I'm just going to try to lighten it up a bit. I'm going to try to change it and soften it and make it more palatable for a carnal man to accept. I mean, look at our world today. Maybe the biggest issue of our day is the issue of gender and sexuality, right? You you look around the world today, there's a gender crisis going on, and where are the Christians? Why are Christians not speaking up? Because they're afraid they might offend someone. If they speak up, well, then people might not like them as much. They might think that they're mean or hateful. They might not, you know want to hang out with them anymore. And so Christians are just allowing this gender crisis to go on in our world today. And then look at what happens when Christians do nothing. You end up with drag queen story hour. You end up with literally a a parade of LGBT people who are chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. 
But good, good, good news, church, you didn't offend them, so good for you. Meanwhile, this is allowed to go on and spread to our children and corrupt the next generation. Do you care more about your children or about offending someone with truth? And so we say nothing, because we don't want to offend anyone. I mean, that's the same reason why abortion is still going on on in our world today. That's the reason why millions upon millions of babies are murdered. And that's exactly what it is. I'll stand on that. You can send me the hate email if you want. It is murder. And that's why this murder is allowed to continue to happen in our country. Because we care more about making people feel good and not offending them than we do about human life. When did we stop caring about people made in the image of God? When did we start caring more about not hurting someone's feelings than we do a baby being ripped limb from limb in the womb for the sake of convenience? Shame on the church today. Do you see what happens, church? When the church keeps quiet, sin runs rampant. How dare we sit back and allow these evils to take hold of our schools and our children because we're afraid of what people might say about us. You know, there's a pastor in North Carolina. He actually is a former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, so I'll let you put two and two together. He was preaching a message on Romans 1. And he got to the the section about gender and sexuality. And this is what he said. He claimed that While the Bible isn't lax on that subject, it's also not as strict and harsh as many Christians believe it to be. And so this is what he said we should do. Quote, we should whisper about what the Bible whispers about and shout what the Bible shouts about. And he explained that gender and sexuality are issues that the Bible whispers about. And so we should as well. We shouldn't make a big deal out of it. We should probably keep quiet on those things. But I want you to notice how that directly contradicts what Jesus says here. What did Jesus say to do? He says, if I whisper it, what should you do? Shout it. Shout it from the housetops. Whatever I whisper. If God says something once, it is true. And that is enough to be proclaimed. And so it does not matter if you think that's not a strict subject, if the Bible doesn't talk about it that much, it deserves to be proclaimed boldly by the church. Shout it from the housetops. Are you going to offend some people? Yes, you are. Are people going to hate you? Yes. Are you going to lose some friends? Yes. Are they going to make up lies about you and claim that you're a liar who is leading people astray? Absolutely they are. But Jesus says... Don't be afraid. Why? How's that possible, Jesus? How can I not be afraid of such a response? And he says, look forward to the day when God will reveal the truth and vindicate the righteous. That's what we have to do, church. Look forward to the day when God will reveal the truth and vindicate the righteous. That is how we experience freedom from our fears, especially fears related to what mankind is going to say about us and how they're going to treat us. How can I be bold in proclaiming the truth of God's word, even if that means people are going to lie about me and slander me? It's because it doesn't matter. One day, all things that are hidden are going to be revealed. And what's done in the darkness is going to be brought to light. And so Jesus says, look forward to that day. 
Hang your hopes on that day when God's going to reveal the truth to all people and He Himself will vindicate the righteous. He will be their defense. You know, this is incredibly relevant for all times, but especially this week in the life of our church. Uh, You know, I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I've got critics. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) And from time to time, I've got critics who like to get on social media and talk and make up lies and spread rumors and things like that. And um, I don't see a lot of that. I try to just block people, live my life, you know maintain some sort of sense of sanity and things like that. But, you know, I I don't see everything, but it gets back to me. All the lies get back to me eventually, and I eventually do hear about what's going on. And so from time to time, you know, people will get on Facebook and they'll start talking about me. They'll start talking about the church, start talking about people in the church, start spreading lies and rumors and things like that. And I have people call me and they'll say, oh, hey, did you see what so-and-so said on social media? Nope. Did not. Well, let me tell you what so-and-so said on social media. And then they'll start telling me and telling me. And they're like, so what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, ah, probably nothing. What do you mean nothing? They're spreading lies. They're talking about you. They've said this about you to everybody. They've said this about our church. People need to know. What are you going to do? You're just going to let these people talk and spread these lies and these rumors and everything else. Don't you need to get on there and set the record straight? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't need to get on social media and set the record straight. Why? Because God knows the truth. God knows the truth about me. God knows the truth about my heart. Listen to me. God knows the truth about our church and the people in our church. And so it doesn't matter what anyone says about us on social media. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks about us. It doesn't matter what anyone believes about us because God himself knows the truth And there is coming a day, church, there is coming a day when we will stand before God and He's going to bring it all to the light. And He is going to reveal the truth to everybody. And on that day, God will say, these were lies. This is my son. He Himself will be our defense and our vindication. And that is what we must look forward to. I want you to hear me say this, so listen to me on this. You cannot control what people are going to say about you. You cannot control what people are going to think about you or believe about you. That's beyond your control. Do we understand that? Yeah? You can get on social media all you want and plead your case. You can't change people's minds. You certainly can't change people's hearts. They are going to think and believe whatever they want to think and believe. You cannot control that, but you know what you can control? How you respond. You can either respond as the world does or as a godly Christian does. And the person whose hope and trust is in the Lord says, I don't need to defend myself. God is my defense. And He will reveal all things one day. And so the point I want you to understand is you need to just keep being bold. Don't change anything. But pastor, they're going to talk about me. They're going to talk anyways. Might as well speak some truth while they're going to do it, you know. I mean, put it out there. Tell them what they need to hear. The Bible is offensive and we don't change the message for anyone. Amen? I mean, cowards do that. And God's people are not meant to be cowards. They tried to get Hugh Latimer to change the message when he was preaching. He was a leader of the English Reformation. 
And one time, the violent King Henry VIII came in while he was preaching. And, and, and some people came to him before the service and they said, Latimer, be careful what you say. The king is here. And so he starts preaching. And he gets to a point in his sermon that he knows the king is not going to like and appreciate. And he doesn't know what might happen with the king or how he's going to respond. And he thought about changing the message in the moment. And then he spoke to himself and he said, Latimer, be careful what you say. The king of kings is here. See, folks, how you respond, what you do and what you say is going to reveal who you care most about, about man or about God. And so when faithfulness to God is our highest priority, He frees us from the bonds of fear. So people, yes, they're going to slander you, they're going to gossip about you, they're going to hate you, they're going to spread lies about you, but Jesus says, take heart, be bold, proclaim the truth anyways, because He is going to reveal all things one day, and He will vindicate the righteous. But the problem is, that lies and hatred and slander are not our biggest fears, right? Now, the thing that we fear more than anything else is death. And Jesus addresses this. Look at verse 28. He says, Oh, and by the way, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body, uh, soul and body in hell. In other words, Jesus says here, Hey, you guys are afraid of the wrong things. He says, you're afraid of of war. You're afraid of the economy. You're afraid of indoctrination. You're afraid, afraid of slander and gossip and lies. But do you even fear God? And the answer, of course, is no. We don't actually fear God anymore. If we actually feared God, the church would look a lot different today, would it not? If we actually feared God, we would see less sin and disobedience in the church today. If we actually feared God, there'd be so much more commitment and outreach and devotion. But with God, it's just out of sight, out of mind. And so what we do is we inadvertently give ourselves permission to sin and go against God because we have forgotten that one day we are going to stand before God. And there are only two destinations at that point. He will either say, come on in, join me in glory. Or he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, here's what I need you to understand. A Christian who fears God is absolutely terrifying and utterly frustrating to the world because there's nothing you can do to him. When a Christian fears God above all else, there is absolutely nothing the world can do to that man. I mean, the world only has three options at that point, right? To try to get the Christian to do what they want. You can threaten him, you can punish him, or you can kill him. Those are really your only three options. And none of them work. You can threaten the Christian, but a true Christian fears God more than man. So that's not going to work. You can punish a Christian. You can lay all sorts of punishment on him. You can even torture him. But true Christians know that whatever pain we experience in this life is minuscule and nothing compared to even one second in hell. So that's not going to work. You could kill him, but all that does is just send us to be with our Savior, which is what we want in the first place, which is why we say, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. If you're going to send me there early, so be it. To God be the glory. 
So that's not going to work either. Do you see what I mean? A Christian who truly fears God above all else is frustrating to the world. There is nothing you can do to him. Our problem today is we don't actually fear God and we do not prioritize faithfulness. Because if we did, listen to me, church, we would have no fear of man. You remember I've told you about Dietrich Bonhoeffer before. He was one of the only German pastors to actually speak out and openly against Hitler's Nazi regime. And because of that, he was thrown in prison where he would eventually die. And he knew that he was going to die there. He knew there was no escape and there was no getting out. And so people were writing him in prison, asking him if he was afraid of what was to come. And this is what he wrote from a Nazi prison with his death just imminently upon him. This is what he said. Those who are still afraid of men have no fear of God. And those who have fear of God have ceased to be afraid of men. So even though he was in a Nazi prison, knowing he was about to die, he still had absolutely no fear because he feared God above all else. And the same is true of John Knox, one of my favorite men of all of church history. He was one of the Scottish reformers. And John Knox was a bold man. I mean, he would just, he was courageous. He would preach boldly all the time, even though he was constantly under persecution. Uh, Bloody Mary, Queen of Scots, was always pursuing him and trying to arrest him and condemn him and have him killed. Uh, fun fact, at one point, Mary said that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Which is also a plight on us as Christians today as we see that nobody fears our prayers. That's another sermon. I'll preach it another day. Don't have time right now. But, fun fact. So she was constantly pursuing him and persecuting him and threatening to kill him. And he just kept proclaiming the truth of God's word boldly and did not care if it meant his own death. And so when he finally did die, someone stood by his graveside and said, Here lies one who feared God so much that he never feared the face of any man. If only that were true of us today, church. And it needs to be because that is the only way that we're going to experience this freedom from fear. It's if we must fear God so much that we have none left for man. The reason we still fear man is because we don't actually fear God as we ought to. And so we must fear God so much that there is none left for man. Listen, I understand no one wants to suffer, even though suffering is good for the Christian life. No one wants to face pain. And and I'm telling you this from personal experience, weekly personal experience. No one wants to be slandered. No one wants to be lied about. No one wants to have gossip going around about them. I can tell you, it's not fun. If you're ever looking for critics, I'll give you some of mine. You can have their emails, okay? It's not fun, and certainly no one wants to die. But if you think that any one of those things is the worst thing that can happen to you, you are sadly mistaken. Because they are not. There is a final judgment that awaits all people. And there is a condemnation coming for all those who continue in their rebellion against Christ and His kingdom. For those who continue to persist in sin and forsake faithfulness, Jesus says that there is a place of eternal torment and in that place there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to understand something. Man can hurt our feelings, 
Man can kill our bodies, but those things are temporary and will eventually come to an end. But the fires of hell are forever. The torment in hell is unending. There is no relief even for one second. The worst possible pain that you could experience in this life is better than even one second in hell. And when you think about that, it makes our fear of man look awfully silly, does it not? When you remember that there's really nothing they can do and anything they can do is completely temporary, but the, 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 the punishment for those who disobey God and refuse to repent of their sins, it is unending. And so the Bible is telling us here we've got to fear God so much that there is none left for man. If you're thinking, man, I am glad I visited this Sunday. This is the one for me. It's all joyful in here all the time. I want you to notice something, okay? It's a hard section, all right? If you're here this Sunday, these three sermons are hard ones. But I want you to notice something here that's really important. I don't want you to miss it. Jesus balances this fear that we are to have of God with the unconditional, unending love that God has for us. And it has to be balanced that way. Because I want you to notice what he says, verses 29 to 31. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. Why? How? Jesus? You are more value than many sparrows. So so notice what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, Listen, there are these birds that are not valuable at all. You can get two for a penny. (laughs) And not even one of these invaluable birds falls apart from the sovereign will and presence of God in heaven. That not even one of these birds that is essentially worthless will fall apart From the Father. And not only that, but notice this. He says, even the hairs on your head are counted. They are numbered. And if you're not a parent, I can understand how this is missed on you. Because I can't tell you how often I still do this. I just stare at our boys. (laughs) Might be creepy. I don't know. Maybe it's a parent thing. But I just stare at them. I remember bringing both of them home from the hospital. And I remember holding them, and I would just look at their little hands and their little tiny fingers, and I would just be amazed. I'd be thinking, I can't believe it. We made this. There's a part of me, a whole lot of Anna. But I'm in there, but it's both of us. And we have created this thing that is a combination of us, and it's amazing. And I just look at their little their fingers and their, their feet and And even now that they're older, I still will just stare at them and just count the freckles on Judah's face. Or notice all the different colors in Ezzy's eyes. Or how they both have the exact same swirl as Daddy in the back right of their head. Or how their hair parts or how they smile. I know every part of my boys because they are my boys. And I love them. And Jesus is saying here, Don't you think for even one second that when all this bad stuff happens to you, it means that God doesn't love you. 
Don't you think that when people are lying about you and slandering you and threatening you and persecuting you, that it's a sign of God's anger or that it means that the Father does not love you at all? Because listen to me, He loves you as a father loves his children. He's got all the hairs on your head counted. He knows every single part of you. That's how much the Father knows you and cares for you and loves you. In other words, if you really want to experience this this freedom from fear that we're talking about, we must remember that the sovereign God of all creation loves you more than anything in all creation. If that does not amaze you, then you need to read what the Bible says about how sinful you actually are and how not good you are. But that should amaze you. To know that the sovereign God of all creation loves you, loves me, sinful, rebellious, disobedient us, more than anything else in all of creation. You are more valuable to God than anything in creation. More than the birds, more than the flowers, more than the planets and the stars, more than the trees and the mountains and the animals. God didn't send His one and only Son to die for any of them, did He? He didn't send Him for the the birds and the animals and the mountains and the planets and the stars, but God sent His one and only Son to live the life that you should have lived but could not and died the death that you deserve to die all because He wanted you to be reconciled to Him and be with Him forever. Someone, and not just someone, the God of all creation wants to be with you forever. I don't even want to be with myself for five minutes. That should astonish us, should it not? The fact that this is just missed on us blows my mind. It means we have too high an estimation of ourselves, folks. The God of all creation, who knows how sinful you are, who knows every thought that you have, who knows how often you fail, who knows how much you disobey Him, wants to spend eternity with you. And that's why He sent His Son, to reconcile His people to Himself. Because you are more valuable to him than anything else. And so Jesus says, fear not. Why? Because God loves you. And not just that, church, listen to me. God will be with you through everything you face in this life. If a a sparrow, two for a penny, if a sparrow does not even fall apart from the sovereign will and presence of the Father, I can promise you something you will never experience even one thing in this life apart from the presence of your Father in heaven. He will be with you through absolutely everything. So fear not, Christian, because you are loved by God and valuable to God. You know, nothing eliminates the fears of a child so much as the presence of a father. Like right now, Judah's going through this phase where he's pretty afraid of every noise he hears outside. Um, Here's a noise. He's like, oh, that's a shotgun. We got to run inside. Or that's a coyote. And he's fearful of everything. And he, he wants to rush inside and get away from the outside. And, and every time he hears one of these noises and he starts becoming afraid and just, you know, terrified, I tell him, I'm like, listen, buddy, you don't have to be afraid of anything. He's like, but I heard a shotgun. There's coyotes out there. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But daddy's here. And as long as your daddy is here, there's not a thing that's going to happen to you. I can promise you that. And then he's good. And he goes and rides his bike all day. So... But that's the whole point. 
Nothing eliminates the fears of children so much as the presence of their father. And so listen to me, Christian, nothing should eliminate your fear quite as much as knowing that your father in heaven is with you through absolutely everything you face in this life. You'll never have to endure anything apart from him. And so Jesus is telling us this morning, listen to me, don't worry about the consequences of obedience. Do we all hear that? Yes, church? Don't worry about the consequences of obedience. Focus on being faithfully obedient to Jesus and he will free you from the bonds of fear. When faithfulness to God is the highest priority to you, you are freed from those fears. And so we don't have to worry what people are going to say about us, what kind of lies they're going to spread, what kind of gossip, what kind of slander. Why? Because God is going to reveal all things one day. And on that day, he will vindicate the righteous. Why would we fear man, even if they can kill us? Because they cannot do a thing to our souls, can they? But God can. And so we must fear God so much that we have none left for man. And even as we're battling these fears, and they're setting in, and they're tempting to lead us to disobedience, we have to remember, our God loves us. And we are of value to Him. And we will never experience a single thing in this life apart from our loving Father. And so do not fear, Christian. Faithfully obey and find freedom from your fears in Christ today. Amen?